Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, you all. Welcome to our weekly episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, my guests this morning, wonderful morning in Calgary, finally we're above zero uh, after like a month of freezing, uh, but uh, my guests this morning uh, have been my business neighbors for many years. However, it was when I needed their services as mortgage brokers to finance my first commercial acquisition that I've learned to know them beyond the good morning in the elevator. My guests this morning are... Neil Foran, co-founder, partner, and broker, and Chris Heron, partner at Miller Foran Lending Leadership, your commercial mortgage team all the time. Good morning, gentlemen. Welcome morning. to Taking Care of Business, and thank you for being my guest this morning. Thank you for having us, David. It is my pleasure to have you guys. So, uh, Neil, Chris, uh, we like to get to know you a little bit better beyond uh, the financing, beyond the mortgages, a little bit about uh, where your guys are from, because you, we all now live in Calgary, but uh, I think that none of you originally is from Calgary. That's that's correct. Chris, you'll, you'll, you'll start. I'm, I'm a transplant from Saskatchewan. Oh, like half of the city. Yes, exactly. So, my wife and I moved here in 2002. Um, that was a point where Saskatchewan had a very troubled economy, no jobs available, and Calgary was how it usually is, booming. Um, so we settled here. We've uh, raised uh, three boys here uh, that are still a little bit on the young side. Um, and yeah, we love it. it. This is home for us. Oh, perfect. And uh, in 2002, when you didn't have, uh, there were no jobs in Saskatchewan, that's because you had a communist uh, party ruling at the time? Yeah, we had, uh, <laughs> we had socialist governments there for many, many, many decades. I see. Yeah. Uh, and, and you got over it, I guess. Yeah. They got over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Calgary is home now for the last 17 years. Yeah. So your, your kids were all born here. Yes, they were. And uh, so growing up in Saskatchewan, what kind of a kid were you? Um, I mean, active. Um, sports? Yeah, lots of sports. Uh, I think I'm pro- probably the only kid from Saskatchewan that didn't grow up playing hockey. Oh, so what did you play? Uh, curling, all the school sports, track and field, soccer, baseball, golf. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Anything but hockey. Yeah. <laughs> how, how come? I don't know. I just, I didn't ever get into it. And... Um, yeah, so it's it's not something I miss necessarily. <laughs> Neil, let's uh, learn a little bit about you. So where are you from? I'm from Winnipeg, born and raised. Uh, moved to Calgary in 1996. Oh, so you're a veteran compared to Chris and me. I practically am uh, I'm a native here, right? So, uh, almost, yeah. yeah. Um, no, in 1991, I joined commercial real estate in Winnipeg. And then I moved to Calgary in 96 because at the time, my wife and I had just been married the year prior. And we had no mortgage, no dog, no kids. So we thought, hey, this is a good opportunity to pick up and go somewhere else. So we came to Calgary. And, and now you have? Subsequently have a mortgage, a dog, and kids. Oh, perfect. How old are your kids? <laughs> my boys are 20 and 18. Oh, so you're almost an empty nester. So went from zero back to almost zero. <laughs> <laughs> 
So one's in university and one's in grade 12. I see. So yeah. almost. Almost. And, and, and Chris, I forgot to ask you, how old are your kids? Uh, five, seven, twelve. Oh, so I sorry, long, guy. I got a long time. Yeah, sorry. We, we feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Neil, what kind of kid were you growing up? Um, I think similar to Chris, I, I was active in sports, but uh, didn't play all the sports as he did. I, I actually played football in high school. Um, and kind of a moderate, middle-of-the-road kind of kid. Didn't get into too much trouble. Um, you know, grew up there with my brothers and, uh, you know, played, uh, you know, played games with neighbors up and down the back lane, unlike today, because you don't have back lanes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you play on the computer. Right. Uh, going back to your childhood, uh, Neil, I'll start with you. You have time to think, Chris, on the next question. Was your dream to be a mortgage broker? What was your dream, your main dream growing up oh, that's... as a teenager, as a kid? I actually told everybody all the time I was going to be a, a neurosurgeon um, until I realized what that meant. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when I graduated from university uh, with a degree in economics, um, I went and I worked for a garment manufacturer in Winnipeg. Winnipeg has the second largest number of garment manufacturers in Canada after uh, Montreal. And so I did that for a couple of years. And just through happenstance, through some contacts and connections, uh, heard about a position at, uh, at a commercial brokerage in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I had no idea what commercial real estate was and uh, immediately jumped into it. And uh, it's been become a passion ever since. So you worked in the garment industry. So how is your Yiddish? Uh, well, not that great. I mean, I guess my um, my, my borrowed name is Nachman. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and once in a while, he kicked in the tukas. But uh, apart from that, uh, you know, it was it was a good uh, it was a good learning experience <laughs> because you actually manufacture something. And uh, so you did manufacturing, or you were sitting in the back office? Well, I was as, in, as a graduate with a diploma in in, in correct in business it, order. Exactly. So I was working in the sales office with the sales team, but the sales team is right next to the manufacturing floor mm -hmm. so you know you basically get to see all the garments being manufactured and getting shipped labeled and so on so so were you a salesman uh, I was working with the sales manager oh, okay on on accounts I see yeah Chris what was your dream growing up in Saskatchewan like Saskatchewan people their main dream is to move to Calgary uh, for a long time it was no I remember in high school um, I was uh, I was curling competitively and I started playing football and I got into sports psychology. And so I had this idea that I wanted to be a sports psychologist. And I remember applying for universities and my dad said, you know, how many sports psychologists do you think they have in the Canadian Football League and the National Football League? And I said, well, I don't know, maybe one per team. And he said, so why don't you try business? and then see how that goes. And if that, if you don't like that, maybe then you could consider sports psychology. So I went into commerce, um, and in hindsight, that was very, I think, very, very good advice. So, so you uh, want I will to say, as, as Chris's partner, right, and I didn't appreciate this before today, the psychology aspect of his interest growing up plays a big part and how he plays with the lenders today as, as we're going through the process of trying to arrange a commercial mortgage. Perfect. Well, I hope they don't listen now to this show because they will now know how to deal with Chris. Um, but 
it's uh, fascinating that at age 16, 17, you listen to your dad because usually we know at age 16, 17, and you're going there in a few years. I know. We know better than our parents. I, I don't know what it was. Um, like, I was I was fully committed to the idea. Um, I was reading books in the library about it. I was, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I took his advice, and it was the right way to go. So what fascinated you, the psychology part or being in, in this big, huge world of sports in the in the media, in the news, with big money around it? For me, it was um, trying to improve performance. So um, it was trying to do things differently, um, delving into the mind rather than just the physical part of it. Um, and this is before you know, any major sports groups would have used nutritionists. I I, think I read, a. that's why I don't drink coffee. That and the smell. Um, Sorry. I, yeah, I'll move it to the other side. I, it, it was, I remember reading a, a book that said, you know, it'll reduce your athletic performance by at least 10%. And I thought, well, why would I bother drinking a cup of coffee then? Yeah, I'm not, I don't have that, you know, fear. Well, now it's not a big, <laughs> now it's not a big deal for me. But I, I just, I remember, you know, just sort of, being fascinated by all this and and uh, yeah it was it was the mental side as mm -hmm. opposed to the physical part okay um, so you went to uh, University of Saskatchewan yeah and uh, you graduate with a diploma in uh, commerce. commerce yeah what was your first job we heard that mr. Foreign here went to the garment business I started working for uh, for investors uh, or, or stockbrokers at investors group for a summer uh, that was in Regina. I didn't. I preferred living in Saskatoon, so I moved. Uh, found another job with another broker there, mm -hmm. and then just didn't. That that work didn't click for me. Uh, my, uh, I guess, girlfriend at the time, now my wife, she was just fish, finishing up school, and she's a high school teacher, and so we went and traveled uh, for about six months. Uh, in different parts of the world and then when we came back neither of us could get a job so we looked out here uh, and I had a friend who was at one of the banks downtown and he had just finished doing a mortgage financing with Neil uh, at one of the companies that we used to work with mm -hmm. and that's what got me into commercial real estate they happened to be looking for someone I had no idea the industry even existed yeah and um yeah, I, I've fallen in love with it. So, so how many years are you guys working together? Since not 02. just as partner, just since working, 02. Since not at uh, 2002. Yes, 17 since years. Okay. Yeah. Well, it doesn't show. <laughs> um, Neil, I want to go back to you, um, and um, you know, you're there uh, accepting the new guy to come and work with you guys. And in 2002, uh, were you already a partner at the previous company or you were still just an, an, an employee that was a, a kind of supposed to become a partner? Right. I was, at that time, I was still a senior associate on my way to becoming a partner, which I became in 2004. I see. Yeah. And you get this new kid from Saskatchewan and you are the veteran here, six years already, uh, you know. You have so many uh, notches on your belt, deals that you've done. How did you treat the new guy? Um, I'm no, gonna, sorry. How did he treat you? How did he treat you? And, for me and remember, this is an unpolitically correct show. <laughs> you, can, you can say what you think and what really happened. Um, I, 
I think one of the things that um, that we carried over was um, the focus on the team. And so going into that job, working with Neil um, and our former partner, Rob, um, it was great. We had a lot of support. Um, we were given a lot of responsibility. I mean, the work was brand new, so the learning curve was very steep and it was very interesting. When you say we, you mean you as a new guy on yeah, the Yeah, so there were two the of us. kid on the block. Two of us that were hired at the same time. Um, and uh, and he's, uh, you know, a friend of mine, friend of Neil's. He works in the industry. He's with uh, a REIT now here in town. Um, so, yeah, two, two of us started together. And, um, yeah, it was it was great. Mm-hmm. So he can answer how he thinks he treated me, but I will. No, I don't care how you treated him. <laughs> I care what did you think about him when he started working and he had no clue what he was doing. Well, I think the fact that we're business partners today after 17 years together probably speaks to how I felt about Okay, him. stop with this being nice. <laughs> like, what did you think in the first year when you had to train this guy and he has no clue what he's doing? I think honestly, and, and I'll let Chris confirm this if he wants, but... Having come into a new industry knowing nothing and having to go from zero to 100 the way that I did when I first came in, um, there's a certain amount of humility that you have, right? And I think because of the way that our office was structured, which is as a team where everybody's involved in every file and everybody's contributing towards it, it's not a critique as much as it is everybody's trying to elevate themselves Mm -hmm. up up to a better result. Because at the end of the day, we're not working for each other. We're, we're working for our client, right? At the end of the day, we're a, we're a professional service provider. And so really, as long as our clients are happy, then that's what gives us our success. Our commercials in are in three minutes. You don't have to do the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, But if, if you're asking me what kind of attributes I saw in Chris, yeah. is, that, is that sort of what you're asking? Yeah. You know, I, Chris is from Saskatchewan. Yeah. Everybody from Saskatchewan, they work hard. They're honest. They're uh, they're dedicated. They're loyal. I mean, you know, that's that's just what you get, you know. But you take this mold of something that doesn't exist, and you help create it. And along the way, that Chris's personality and other people's personalities come out, mm-hmm. and they they start to take shape, right? They they inject their own personality and and attributes into into that into that creation, if you will. Now, you mentioned that you had to go from zero to 100 very fast when you started. Yes. So share with us your first commercial mortgage that you did by yourself, any kind of you know, hurdles you had to go through, any mistakes you've done on that first one well, that they gave you, okay, Neil, this is yours. I think there was one that was very memorable. Are they still in business? Or they? Oh, no, they're still in business. Everybody's still in business. The good thing about what we do is... Did they pay their mortgage off? <laughs> we, we've been very fortunate because I came into an existing partnership that already had some great clients. So we're, we're learning not from um, a, a new situation. We're, we're working with existing clients that have platforms and real estate. And so you learn a lot from them along the way. And everybody's there basically to make it better. So, you know, one memorable experience I had was working through a commitment letter with a life insurance lender and a borrower. And I guess for some particular reason, I was leading on this, right? And we get right down into the the, the brass details of the commitment letter. We sign the commitment letter, we're getting ready to fund, and somewhere along the line, it was missed that the lender required an appraisal. 
and the lender thought the appraisal was underway. The borrower wasn't made aware that an appraisal was required. And what happened was it became a major, major sticky point at, at funding and it got delayed. And of course, the lender is pointing the finger at me and we're sitting there with sort of egg on our face and the client's going, I want my money and it's going to be three weeks for an appraisal. And it just kind of really stuck with me about how the, the details matter, right? What's in that contract matters. And you have to make sure you satisfy every single thing and you have to predict what could go wrong along the way. And that comes from experience, right? Yes. And, you know, an expression that we use internally is good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from poor judgment, a.k.a. mistakes. So as you make mistakes along the way, as long as they don't cost you money, as long as they don't cost you clients, those are mistakes you can afford to make and everybody learn from them. So it sort of stuck with me because I felt embarrassed about it, quite frankly. (laughs) And uh, our clients, uh, you know, to this day, this is probably fifth. No, probably 17 years later, every once in a while has a way of reminding me, in a, in a choking kind of way. <laughs> well, I guess uh, now I understand why when we talk about new financing, the first thing you give me is the list of things that I have to bring <laughs> before we even sign anything. So, guys, uh, we must have our short uh, pause and uh, have our first commercial break. Uh, to our listeners, you can open a new tab and check Miller Foreign's website, www.millerforeign, that's M I. L-L-A-R-F-O-R-A-N.com. Check the experience page, and uh, we will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. 
To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back with my guests, Neil Foran and Chris Heron, partners, owners of Miller Foran Commercial Mortgage Brokers. Um, you know, we, we discussed uh, before the break your personal life and uh, how you kind of came into the industry. Neil, I'll ask you the next question. You mentioned that in 2004 you became a partner. Uh, equal partner, junior partner, what was the status at that time? An equal partner. An equal partner. So you had, what, three partners? We were three, there were, there four? Were three of us, yes. Three, uh, and then... Um, you were working there. Did you kind of uh, want to become a partner one day And when you saw Neil becoming a partner, Chris? I think at that point, um, it was probably the first time where that would have been triggered in my mind. I mean, I was only two years into the business, so mm-hmm. I knew I had a lot of time to put in. Um, but I enjoyed it enough, and I saw sort of the staggering and how things could work out there. So it planted the seed when you saw yeah. him become yeah. a partner. I think so. It certainly was a motivator. Um, and I really enjoyed the team. I really enjoyed the business. Um, so as long as they were going to have me, I was, you know, felt like I would want to stick around. So, Neil, you have three partners, two partners, sorry. You're the third. Decision-making process. Unanimous. Someone had veto. What was the day-to-day life with, three, with two more partners, each one equal? It's uh, a great question. Um, I think generally we all had commonality in terms of how we wanted to grow our business. So I can't remember too many instances where we actually had to sit down and, you know, convince somebody or another to do something. Um, but did you have it would have it would have been majority. Did you have regular kind of partners meetings? We did. Yeah, I think we met uh, at least once a month. Um, or on an ad hoc basis if a certain issue arose. But I think for the most part, you know, it wasn't really structured in a way that a lot of small businesses might be where you actually do have defined agendas and dates for meetings and so on. I, I seem to recall it was just a bit more, a little bit more ad hoc. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't really remember too many really material issues that came up that required um you know, consensus or majority. But how many, do you remember how many people were you at the peak of that company? I believe we were eight people. I don't think we've ever been more than eight people, mm-hmm. which is a good size because what we had established probably 20 years ago was we compartmentalized the process of delivering commercial mortgages for our clients. So what we did was we basically created different roles within that process so that somebody in the office was always doing something related to that file to advance it so that one person is not taking it all the way from beginning to end because that can be quite a long, tedious uh, process. So basically had key people in key positions all playing their role towards delivering that commercial mortgage. 
And uh, we're talking 2004, so about 15 years ago. Uh, and I guess this partnership started before you became a partner. The right. two other people. So at that time, did you guys have, uh, or the company had mission, vision, purpose, uh, anything of that kind, or if it was just the day-to-day kind of business drove you forward? Yeah. When I first came in, so our business model was formed or started by Rob Miller back in 1987-1988. A second partner came and joined him, I believe in about 94-95. And then I came to Calgary in 96 and joined them. So there's two partners, two-man shop. I became the third. And then while we were there, we decided that we were going to grow this business and then started to hire analysts to, uh, to sort of grow and cultivate. Um, so that's really sort of the genesis of how this business model worked. Um, and then, as you pointed out, uh, you know, as when I became partner in 2004, Chris at that point was our senior associate. We had another associate. Um, and that carried on until about 2009, mm-hmm. where Rob Miller and I um, exited the partnership. By we'll the- get there, Chris. 2002, you joined. 2004, uh, our, our friend here becomes a partner. You have three bosses. You have three partners as mm-hmm. an employee. And now, you know, in hindsight, looking back, nobody's mad at you anymore. Uh, when you have, when you have kind of. A, ruling by a committee as an employee what mm-hmm. did you feel um where were your frustrations sometimes frustrations i think might be um the differences that um one uh, individual versus another individual how they might look at something so you might get direction from we'll use rob's name as an example because He's a pretty easy target. but <laughs> So Rob would give some direction. He would say, okay, this is what I need you to do in this file. And you would go and do it. And then you would take that work back and it would be discussed as a group or Neil and I would discuss it. Neil has a different viewpoint. That's not a bad thing. In fact, that's a good thing. Um, but I think sometimes that can be a little bit challenging for someone that's young and maybe doesn't have the voice to speak up and say, well, no, no, I believe in... I'm aligned with what Rob told me, right? You know, so I think that might be a challenge. Um, But I think the thing that I always enjoyed about um, a a partnership and having the different voices was having the varied commentary, having, seeing that discussion and the back and forth where you could, you know, disagree respectfully and come around to a point of view and a decision and a strategy. Um, because I, I find that we do this now uh, where we involve our team on deals. Um, I, I think the more, when you have a certain number of voices in the room, you can get a few different perspectives and that's always a valuable thing. Mm-hmm. So I think the frustration is sort of finding your way as a young person when you've got the three senior partners. But it's good experience. And I think it wasn't always articulated that way, right? It was just the group think. We get together, we structure, we talk about things. But what we learned was there isn't one way. There's always a better way. And I think what maybe we didn't communicate as well to our employees was that 
um, you have a voice and you and we want you to speak up and sure there's there's three different partners and sure maybe we're each dominant in our own way in terms of our, our thinking process but we also value discussion we also value um, you know different perspectives and I think that's really where our team has excelled over the years and our in our in our in our business platform has grown is that we have that ability to listen internally to all opinions so that we can create something better. Uh, Chris, back to you. Um, to the, those years, um, you have three partners, uh, three owners. Usually a company has one leader. Who did you feel as an employee was the main voice, the leader, the guy that the person out of the three that was kind of leading the charge in where the company is going, where the employees are going? I think um, there were always different aspects. It probably depended on what part of the business you were talking about. Rob Miller always seemed to, and, and this wasn't just for us, but it was, we were a platform across the country and he always seemed to really have a desire not just for the Calgary office, but for each of the each of the offices to grow and to enhance. And he, uh, you know, it, it would be at least once a year, uh, probably more often than that, he would have an idea, a concept, and he would want to carry that forward. But he wasn't the leader of the platform. Um, and so I, I would say, you know, on those type of things, um, Rob usually was the he was the deep thinker on the business platform. Mm -hmm. uh, if it was detail stuff, if it was um, experience, you know, I would usually go to Neil. He was the most recent in uh, all of these deals. He was the, mo the closest person I had to being right. in my role. So he would have had the most empathy. Um, so yeah, it, it really depended on what the issue was. I mean, we were at a point where we had almost no technology. Um, and so that rapidly changed from 2002 to probably 2007, where we went from literally delivering paper, you know, investment memorandums in a courier to turning that into a digital document that you email. Our biggest discussions internally was where to put the next new filing cabinet to accommodate <laughs> more paper. Um, but, but to echo what Chris said, and as, as the newest partner in this partnership, I would also say that Rob was the one that stimulated all of us to think more broadly about the business plan. So no question that we were basically being led by Rob mm -hmm. in a direction that he had a vision for, and um, you know, we, we owe a lot of credit to our success today because of what uh, what Rob helped plant those seeds 20, 30 years ago. So, I want to stay with you, Neil, because you started something when I cut you off earlier, and you said uh, Rob and I left. Well, I think there's a deeper meaning to this story. It didn't go, oh, Rob and I left. Um, and the reason I asked you about this is, after all, this uh, my my radio talk show is about entrepreneurship, and as I mentioned, I'm not I, I, I'm not I don't need your stats on the industry. That's not the purpose, but people go through different things in life, and it wasn't a very nice way of parting the let's see of partnership. So um, you have a situation. Was it a shotgun clause? Right. So we had a partnership agreement. 
and leading up to about six months before this. Um, Sorry, uh, Chris said that it was a national platform. So the your agreement was just for Calgary. Correct. Or- so we had a national platform under a common name, con- common umbrella, and each office in each market was owned independently. Okay. Okay. What Chris was alluding to was that Rob would take the lead often even on national initiatives for mm-hmm. the benefit of all the offices, even though we didn't have a financial interest in those other offices, just to continue to promote the brand. Okay. Um, so, uh, okay, so if we want to get into this, what we can say is we had disagreements with one of our business partners and uh, tried to hammer out an arrangement that would accommodate his particular needs within our partnership going forward and we thought we were all working productively towards that only one day to find out that we received a notice pursuant to our partnership agreement that he was exercising something called a shotgun clause or a buy-sell agreement. So what that basically means is he comes forward and says here are the terms upon which I am prepared to buy you out and as uh, rights, as, a, as an owner of the rights within that partnership agreement, uh, we could determine whether to accept that offer mm-hmm. or reverse it and buy to him either out. a buyer or we're a seller, yeah. right? But we're forced to make a decision. So Rob and I had 10 business days to make that decision and we struggled quite a lot with what we were going to do. And so we ultimately said, well, um, if it's, you know, supposed to be good enough for us to take that deal, it should be good enough for you to accept that deal. So we handed over our shares in that company and 30 days later the transaction closed and we're officially out of that partnership. So during that period of time, you know, we obviously had to step back. We did not have any non-competes in our, um, in our shareholder agreement. So Rob and I gave a lot of consideration to what our, what our next steps were, what, what do we really want to do. And we came to the determination that um, we wanted to carry on being a commercial mortgage broker, servicing the very clients that had uh, entrusted us over the years with their mandates. So we formed a new company in December. Uh, we struggled with what to call ourselves. We had a marketing company that we've been using for 20 years, and they came up with a long laundry list of, of nice. names and and try to convince us of the top three. And, <laughs> and we, we looked at those names. We said, well, I, I need a dictionary to figure out how to translate that. <laughs> and I don't want to go to new meetings trying to, to tell clients, hey, this is why we picked that name. And so they ultimately came back and said, well, people know Rob Miller and Neil Foran in the marketplace from your previous partnership. Why don't you just call yourselves Miller Foran? And I, I, I settled on that, David, because yeah. Foran Miller didn't sound quite as good as Miller Foran. So uh, <laughs> we put him before me. In any event, make a long story short, um, as of January 2010, we officially were on the ground and running. And unfortunately, our prior business partner decided he didn't actually want to run a commercial mortgage brokerage outfit anymore. And so all the employees uh, that he inherited through the purchase and sale um, were, um, were effectively uh, free agents. 
and uh, Rob and I immediately approached them once we were able to legally and each and every one of them came over happily and um, we carried on. So it's really the same company minus one business partner doing the same business with the same clients I see. and some new ones. Chris, uh, last uh, question before we go into the commercial, second commercial break. So you're an employee, you see this uh, partnership is dissolving. Everybody, you know, there's a. It's not easy to have that shotgun clause and fighting and people mm-hmm. thinking. As an employee, what what what's going through your mind? Well, there are a couple of things. Um, we had deals on the go um, that had to get finished, and so obviously, uh, the three partners' time was occupied, um, and in many cases, were not able to be in the office. So that was. Uh, probably the biggest priority Um, and then once that was taken care of the next priority that I realized was um, we were not going to be retained and so there were two colleagues uh, of mine and myself that I was worried about trying to figure out how do we navigate this scenario so um, yeah it was it was difficult but I think the the probably uh, rare thing that I received was I was able to see the different perspectives, see the correspondence, understand really what led to this. So I could make a real firm conclusion in my mind why it happened. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was very clear in my mind. Um, and so it was really just at that point about, you know, making sure that uh, myself and my two colleagues were treated properly mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out what was the next step. I see. So we, uh, we had two trailing deals that had to Be, close. Yeah. We had an acquisition that had to close. So, I mean, when you're, you, you sort of forget about the rest of it if you can Focusing. during the day and you figure that, that part out. We reach our second commercial break. Uh, when you check MillerForn.com website, uh, read what their clients are saying about them uh, under the word of mouth page. We'll be back following the commercials. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. I'm back with my guests, Neil Foran and Chris Heron, partners, owners of Miller Foran Commercial Mortgage Brokers. Uh, Chris, be, sorry, Neil, before we went into the commercial, you mentioned that January 2010, you started Miller Foran, the new company. It was just Rob and you as partners? No, when we first started Miller Foran, Rob and I started it by name. And then as soon as we knew that our former employees were available to mm-hmm. come over and join us, we immediately asked Chris to become a partner with us, which he accepted. Equal or minor? Equal partner in terms of shares or junior? I think at that point, Rob and I were equal and you were slightly, had a few more shares. I can't remember. Yeah. I think that's how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, so that partnership, it was slightly unequal with ownership, but we have since adjusted that so the Chris and I are now equal partners and owners so you start your new partnership with Rob Miller I've been a little sensitive with how I answer that because when I got brought into the partnership I became an equal partner when we brought Chris into our partnership he was unequal (laughs) so (laughs) I didn't want to create any animosity here but uh, no so that that was just the reality of it and, uh, and Chris accepted and we were thrilled. So on that basis, we, uh, you know, we started January 1, 2010, the three of us as partners, the other employees had come over and really same company, just under a different branding. So a few years go by and then Rob Miller that you, Chris, described as the thinker and, and, and you, Niels, described as someone that follows and gives, he decides to leave. So again, you have to go. You have to go through a change. Yeah, it, it's um, what we didn't say is when we formed Miller Foreign, Rob had just started um, an experiment with a lending platform, which was different than any of the borrowings that our clients do. It's a different type of lending that we wouldn't typically use. So we gave him the latitude to go out and continue to work on that and explore that half of his time while we also did commercial mortgage brokerage for our regular clients. And so Rob was really sort of 50-50 in and out sort of in that in our model for quite some time. And then a couple of years later, um, I would say that after having spent 30 odd years in commercial mortgage financing, he decided that uh, he was going to exit our partnership. Mm-hmm. 
And that was your opportunity to become an equal partner, Chris? It was, yeah. Yeah, Rob, uh, Rob liked the idea of retirement. Um, and so, yeah, we went through the process of figuring out how he leaves um, and uh, how Neil and I would carry on the business, just the two of us. So we, ha- so we have the discussion with Rob. Rob says, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And then Chris and I have separate conversations about, okay, now what do we want to do going forward? And it was at that point that um, having worked with Chris as long as I did, um, I actually encouraged Chris to be an equal partner. And, uh, and that's where we are today. I see. And uh, today, everything is like decisions are making being made like unanimously. There's no veto. One side has a veto on the other side. Or if someone doesn't agree, do you carry on or you just drop an issue? I think the most... Um, eloquent way to demonstrate how decisions are made is that two names are required on every check. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, being a little facetious here, but no, I, I would say that for the most part, Chris, I don't see that we've ever had any disputes with any decisions that have been made. We as long as he agrees with you, we question them. Well, <laughs> and vice versa. I, you know, um, it's it's. Um, I think it's a different dynamic. Um, we're ten feet apart, so if there's a business decision we talk about it there if if it's something i mean rarely does something uh i think really um or that requires you know true privacy or or the deep thinking but we'll just go off site we'll talk about it um i think we're i find neil uh very approachable in terms of discussions um so if there's an initiative that i want or if there's a decision that we need to make on the business it's it's usually something that um, it's you can you can have a discussion about mm-hmm. it even if you don't agree at the start and even if you don't agree at the end. I would say that we manage our business the same way that we manage our clients' business, and that is there's never just one idea. There's always a better idea. So mm-hmm. by discussing things, by putting things on the table, sure you can come up with a forceful position, but I think that we're both seasoned enough in our respective business careers where we are considerate to each other's points of view and then trying to decide how you incorporate that into thinking alternatively than how you may have initially come into a conversation. So now that your business is stabilized and you are you have the partnership for many years together, um, and, and you don't have a big office in terms of a number of employees. Um, you have, what, six, six. six bodies, right? Yeah. Do you sit every year and prepare a business plan? How do you run the, the office or your plans, your, your, your decision for the year? We've always felt um, or we've always experienced that it's challenging to do projections in our type of business. It's difficult to know when a client might find a property that comes up for sale. I mean, those things are not um, telegraphed out very far. Uh, the same way that an opportunity to buy a piece of land and develop it can take a year or it might take five years. So it's it's difficult for us to project revenues. Uh, what we tend to look at is what do we need to focus on, the two of us? Where do we need to spend our time to grow the business, to make sure our employees are being elevated? Uh, so I think those are conversations that we have generally at year end and throughout the year. 
to try to figure out where do you spend your time, where do we need to focus, you know, and, and the other employee parts of it. Many years ago, I remember sitting down and putting together business plans. This is prior to Miller Foreign. And you spend two, three, four weeks, you're navel gazing, you're, you're writing, you're being articulate on paper, and then it's finished. And then all of a sudden you get pulled into a different direction from a client that you didn't know was going to have a particular financing need. And before you know it, six months go by, and what you had written down about your business plan is completely different than what you're actually currently working on. So I think in our business world, we're fortunate that we have um, some very, very good long-term clients that continually see the benefit and the value that we're delivering when we're structuring and arranging financing. Um, but I think also you have to appreciate that in the financing world, it's not just new acquisitions that need financing. It's new construction projects, to Chris's point, when you buy the land and then you want to construct a building on it. And then when you finish with the construction and it's leased up, then you've got term financing. So there's different stages of financing required on a project over a period of time. We also have renewal financing. So the point I'm making is if we said we want to do 60% acquisition financing this year, we'd be completely wrong because we don't... We, we don't control what our clients buy, mm-hmm. but what we do control is the type of financing we work on, which is institutional quality first mortgage financing. So we make sure that you know, we're dealing with good clients with good property and we educate them about what's going on in the market. We take their financings out to the market and then we deliver on them. So long sort of answer to your question about business plans, I, I know there's a lot of people to talk about the value of writing down what your business plan is. But I think our experience has been, you can you can finish that document tomorrow and then the next day be completely taken off course. And you just have to be adaptable and you have to be flexible to what your clients are working on. Um, I looked at your uh, website and um, I saw the slogan, your commercial mortgage team all the time. So in today's world, um, I don't find loyalty is a big thing in the business world in terms of, you know, where I can get the best deal. How do you guys in this competitive market keep your clients for a long time? Because for me, all the time means that you want to keep me as a client for a long period of time. It's not just a one deal and here's my commission and thank you very much. Right. So I would say that we're not really transaction oriented as much as we're relationship oriented. And I know that sounds cliche-ish, but let me give you an example. We spend a lot of time with our clients looking at their entire portfolio and understanding where commercial mortgages fit within that portfolio and previewing what's coming down the line and maybe making decisions today to set them up for success two, three years from now. So it's a very consultative approach to doing business it means you're spending a lot of time and, and, and energy and resources and not getting paid for it until there is a transaction. Because we're performance-based compensation, but the way that we approach it is we want to make sure that our, our expertise in the debt market is being felt by our clients every day, regardless of whether they're in the market with a financing or not. And I think if if you, uh, as a service provider, are not taking the approach that the particular piece of business that you're working on 
is as or more important to you than the client, um, then I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're doing justice to the relationship. I, I think you have to, you have to work on the, the transaction, but you have to feel that business. You have to really be in that deal. You, you don't, I mean, we don't have a vested interest. We don't have equity yeah, in these yeah. deals, but you have to act like it. I see. Yeah. Um, Chris, you said earlier in our previous segment before the commercials, you mentioned that in 2002, it took you till 2007 to get a little bit more on the IT side as a company. When I was looking at your uh, website, I found it to be very minimalistic. And in today's world that everybody's talking IT, I didn't, for example, see anywhere connect with us, follow us on your website. How come your guys are so minimalistic on your website? Part of that would be the philosophy from our marketing firm that we've worked with for a number of years. And I think the other factor is um, you can produce content. And uh, I think that, you know, being on this show and understanding what you do uh, on a constant basis is very admirable because I don't know that Neil and I would have the stamina to put that together. Um, because it's it's difficult. It, it's a it's a lot. It's a big challenge to put out content, and to put out something meaningful, um, over and over again. The other factor that we looked at um, is we felt the decision makers that we deal with, the CEOs, CFOs, the private individuals, they are not likely to be Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat heavy. So we we went away from. Um, doing that and, and focusing on any of that because we felt the decision makers, if we're going to connect with them, we have to connect with them on a personal level or on an educational level, but very focused. So that's been a, that, that's sort of been our strategy on the technology side. Mm-hmm. I see. We have uh, just shy of two minutes to the end of the show. I told you it, it, it will be faster than you think. <laughs> Neil, you mentioned that you are uh, your compensation come at the end of every deal, right? You're based on commission. How do you measure your success other than the dollars in the bank? So I don't want to sound disingenuous because if we don't have a re- revenue stream, we can't keep everybody happy. We know right? we know so, that we so all we, work so, for money. So, so let's, let's put that aside yeah. for a second. The single most important measurement in my mind for success is whether we have made our clients happy, and the way we know we've made them happy is if they come back for second, third, fourth, fifth financing. So the measurement of success is based on the relationships that we have, pure and simple. And again, I don't wanna be disingenuous when I say this, Mm -hmm. but if we don't do a deal with one of our top clients for a year or two years because they're not active, I'm perfectly fine with that because we're still in front of them. We still get referral business because they're talking about us with others when that comes up. And that to me is a huge, huge sign of success. Chris, last question. You have 30 seconds to answer because I have to close the show at a certain point. Is as a service provider, what what is Miller Ford biggest advantage today in a competitive market? Shoot. It's the team aspect. So we have a team that can deliver a structured finance in a manner that I, I don't think is available uh, from an experience perspective and from a quality perspective 
anywhere else in Canada. I think we do a better job um, representing a client and finishing a deal. Uh, and I think it's the people that we have. And if you go and talk to the word of mouth testimonials, you should hear from them, not from us. Well, gentlemen, which the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. Thank you, Neil Foreign and Chris Heron, partners, owners at Miller Foreign Lending Le- Leadership, your com- commercial mortgage team all the time, for being my guest today uh, and sharing your experience as partners as well as some partnership advice and, 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 and previous experiences. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Your feedback is important. Please email me at dvwallach at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you, Aaron, my dedicated engineer, and Sasha, my assistant executive producers. Next Tuesday, March 19, my guest will be Al Myers. We'll be discussing the world of being a franchisee. I will meet you here, voiceamerica.com slash variety, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.